in brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Everybody, I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble, and I'm Jim Ford. And this is the Lantern Cast, episode 362, Game of Thrones season eight. Woo-hoo. Recap. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> you can feel the enthusiasm coming across. Let me do my little my little disclaimer here that I was that I wanted to give. I was thinking about this. <laughs> Um, now, while we're, obviously we're going to be talking about not just our thoughts on the direction of this episode, I mean, this, excuse me, this season and how it fits in with everything else we've seen, but we're also going to talk about the magic word execution probably a lot during this episode. But at the end, and I know Benioff and Weiss have caught a lot of hell from about this season, and I'm not saying they don't deserve some of it. But I don't think it's really fair to attack them for the direction of the show, because by all accounts, they really are following Martin's plan to end this. Uh, so we, you may – a lot of us probably don't necessarily like the way this season played out or parts of it and, the very, and even the final episode, but certainly they had the right to do what they wanted to do. <laughs> you know, They are the creators. Martin – this is Martin's blueprint. By all accounts, and even if it wasn't, even if this was Benioff and Weiss's own, cre- you know, their own creation, they could have ended it in any way they wanted to. And we have a right not to be happy about it, but they do have a right to do that. Anybody who creates understands that sometimes you have a vision that this is where things were always supposed to go, and you have to take it that way. And you don't have to be happy, but unfortunately, it reminds me of a, of a quote. By Kevin Dooley, which makes me want to throw up because I just I says he, hear his name and I just want to punch him in the face. <laughs> but related to Emerald Twilight, when he when he said, though it was self-serving when he said this, that we reserve the right to tell a story with an unhappy ending. 
that that is true, and I just think that people need to just put it in perspective that you don't you can be unhappy with the direction and the execution, but they still have the right to give give the ending they they feel that they needed to do, or, or the, they wanted to do, and they felt they needed to to give based on you know the way things were going and the vision all along. So that's it. That's that's that that's my that's my opening disclaimer. Now let's rip this <laughs> thing apart. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so since it's been like quite well, I, I want to say I say quite a while, but <laughs> it's only been like, six weeks. Um, I don't remember what the first two episodes were. They were slow. We know that they were very. I slow. mean, I I know I remember the I I do remember the second episode, but the first one I'm a little hazy on. Well, I remember that's when they that's when the unsullied were marching on the way to Winterfell and the dragons arrived and and they were and, so, and Daenerys was trying to play nice with Sansa who was typical Sansa and was like, eh. <laughs> it was a lot of okay. stuff. It was it, the first yeah. the first episode especially the second you're right the second was better because it was like it was like eat drink and be merry because tomorrow we die <laughs> that kind of was the yeah vibe yeah. At the end of, yeah, so so the first episode was the you know moving all the chess pieces into place. The second episode was like to, in, in the more you know in uh, the morning or the night or yeah in the morning we're all gonna die so let's have one last hurrah. The third was the 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 long night. The, long night. the four, fourth episode was the. Um, licking their wounds from the long night and um, like I guess getting started with the the great war down south at King's Landing. Uh, five was the the big battle there, which really wasn't much of a big battle. <laughs> and then uh, the final episode was the wrap up. So, what was your favorite episode, Jim? <sighs> Um, I think it would probably be a toss-up between two or three. That makes sense. What about you, Yeah. Dad? Um, I would say three. And I, as far as far as episode one goes, I think we're right in saying that it was nothing but set up. The only exception to that is Sam telling John who he really is at the end. That is true. That we got this we got those big we got the reveal right, that the reveal was to to John and then at the end and then the uh and then two was the reveal from John to John to Daenerys. Right, right. But yeah, I, I would say I would say 3 is probably my favorite. Um just the that fight and the, you know, the almost horror aspect they they kind of went with for it. That was that was kind of cool. Mm. I don't. I to me, it's a toss. I I probably lean towards. I probably lean towards two. Obviously, if five hadn't taken the turn at three quarters of the way through, I would probably have gone with five because that because of the. And that's part of what we'll talk about. Five five, five included a lot of your typical stand, stand up rah 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 yeah cheering on Daenerys moments, and then, of course, because of the episode took that turn, now, now you kind of feel bad for the earlier part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I th- so as a whole episode, I would say two, up until, actually, the bells started ringing in the bells episode, I would say five was, 
five was close because it was even though Daenerys was you know obviously not she was already on the on the edge or the reality was she her assessment the one interesting thing about the season is her assessments even though obviously they were always planning on doing this to her that her her overall assessments of the situations until the very end of the show probably until episode six when she's like Hitler and one like in five hours <laughs> uh, great visuals which we'll talk about but but still realistically no uh, but she she was. She, she was strong with the force this season as far as knowing what was going to happen and assessing things correctly. And it's so I think that even in episode even, – like even the payoff with Varys in episode five, it's like, well – and you and I – it's in you and I, Jim, talked about this, that everybody who was ready to just you know stamp the MQ on her for Mad Queen were going to just take the burning of Varys and say, oh, it's another step. When – no, yeah. it wasn't another step. They literally had this conversation in Dragonstone last season when she told them, if you, if you betray me, if you plot behind my back like you've pretty much done with everybody else – I will burn you alive. And he said, yeah. yeah, well, I would expect nothing less from the mother of dragons. So he did, and she did, and most people would have killed him. Maybe they wouldn't have burned him alive. Okay, that's her forte. That's her specialty. But, the re- you know, but – because I think one of the bri- – one of the and – and obviously we'll talk about Tyrion big time. Oh, my God. But one of the few bright things Tyrion said all season – was when he said to Varys, at some point you have to pick a you have to pick a person and stand behind them. And Varys has been really good at I'm behind this person till the next better person comes along. Yeah. And, uh, and you I, know, go ahead. Well, well, I mean, you know, like I I think you know, yeah, he he went for you know the the best person till the next best person you know came along, but I mean, like. He always had like an integrity about it that if he was backing you, like as long as Varys backed you, then you know, like you are worthy of being in the position. You know, I can like when yeah. like when Varys was backing Daenerys, it's like he believed that you know she was the best option. You know, and that she deserved the the place that she got. He doesn't like, you know, try and get in on somebody that he has absolutely no faith in. But she basically lost, you know, he lost confidence in her due to her her actions and whatnot. But what was the drill? But since he had already turned against, he had obviously already turned against her by episode five because what episode four? Episode four is when. Um, Tyrion found out, right? It was before the episode four was when he found out about John. Uh, right, yeah. So what? What really? I'm trying to remember because obviously it's only been six weeks. But I'm just what? What was the big? What was the big trigger that to make Varys so quick to jump ship off at Daenerys at that point? What had she? What had she? What had she done? Well. I think it was probably like stuff that he's been seeing for the past, you know, since he's been with her and he figured she was the best option as far as the available options. Like, you know, considering that your your alternatives are the Night King or Cersei. Cersei. <laughs> you know, like yeah, okay, Daenerys is definitely the best of the options. When he finds out that Jon Snow is, you know, is an option, 
like he knows Jon Snow is actually a good man and he's like, okay, now whatever I can do to, you know, to change this so that he actually does take power, he's going to do, you know, given the, you know, like the subtle, you know, um, I guess the subtle foreshadowing as we'll call it. Yes. You know, that he's been picking up on, you know, the, the cues you know, I don't think he knew for sure that she was going to go crazy, but there were enough clues that he would back somebody else, you know, to um, to prevent the possible outcome. I can buy that. Here's a question because sure, because uh, I had this conversation. I, I had a convers. I, I had this conversation with my brother-in-law. Well, it wasn't really a conversation. I just I decided not to argue with him on it. Um, yeah. People have been saying the 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 whole tor- the whole turn with uh, with uh, Danny is that foreshadowing is not character development. Like that's like that's the the kind of breakdown sentence that they yes, give this. Yes. And and I don't I don't know if I agree with that because you, in the in these past two seasons you're not given the same length of episode or then you're not given the same amount of episodes you were they're not working from the source material one of the things you can very clear clearly tell is you know it's like they initiated fast travel in a video game uh, <laughs> in, in seasons uh, seven and eight because all you know all of a sudden all these long voyages between and treks and back and forth between like uh, winterfell and King's Landing are all of a sudden taking place immediately whereas in other seasons, we'd kind of get the journey on the road and their conversations. So with with the loss of those intricate moments, like you, you, you're kind of limited on your and seeing as much of Danny and her descent into madness. I mean, I feel like we, you know, anytime she burned any of her enemies or when she watched her brother die at the hands of the Caldrogo, like anytime something like that, something severe and something violent happened in front of her, she was always just so, stone-faced and cold about it and it's just like i i don't know how you don't see a bit of the mad king in her in those little bit of moments and how is this heel turn such i mean i i get it i get that it can be surprising i get that it could be shocking i get that it could be you know maybe not what you wanted but at the same time how is it shocking to you how are you utterly surprised by it well you can't. You can't say you're utterly. Well, you can't say you're utterly surprised because they were not very particularly subtle about trying to lay the ground even before, even without her doing anything wrong in the first few episodes. They were setting the groundwork that they were. They were making it. They were making it too clear that there was going to be that that something was going to happen with her. Not because she necessarily was acting any different. It's just that they were making it clear that hey, too many people were like looking at her weird and giving her the stink eye, even though she didn't necessarily, based on her actions in these episodes, necessarily deserve it. So you and you kind of always figure. And to be honest, based on the way these episodes were structured, if they were dealing with the Night King at the end, like a more like a traditional story, where that's the ultimate battle, like you know, that then you would say. It would make sense that Dan, that wouldn't have happened to Danny. You know, Danny might have died during fighting the Night King, but she was not going to, you know, turn out to be like the third big bad of the season after you know the Night King and, and Cersei. Foreshadowing can be part of character development, but it's not in lieu of it. I mean, it, it can, and I think part of the thing is, and in, in a way, Tyrion touched upon this, and it kind of bothered me when he did it in, in the final episode because it's. Because I want to talk about this later, like the tragedy, whether it's this is a tragedy versus uh, 
<clears throat> a cautionary tale. And in a way, Tyrion, and I think it bothered me more because it's almost like he was talking to the audience, like talking to us. <clears throat> that when he's talking, Definitely. when he's talking to John, when he's talking to John in, pr- in prison, and he, and he, when John, when Tyrion's in prison, as opposed to later on when they switch positions, <laughs> when when Tyrion's in jail, he's talking about oh, when you know when da- you know when Danny you know be- you know burned all the calls you know and we cheered and and they and she and he cru- she crucified a, like a hundred nobles and we cheered because they were bad men. Now I thought it was a little a, a little condescending because I thought they were talking to us because I said yeah we cheered because this is how you set the entire story up that she was one of the heroes of the show for seven and two third seasons. And then all of a sudden you go, oh, no, guess what? Oh, it was all bullshit. I get what they were trying to do with this, and they were saying because because it's, he wasn't implying that when she first started off that she wasn't right in what she was doing. It's just that when you keep doing that and you keep you keep dealing out this harsh punishment, meting out – meeting out this hard punishment, and you, you're, you're good and they're evil, then it's real easy to think that you're infallible in your judgment. And thus, anybody who stands against you at some point, well, you can judge as evil, and thus you can do anything you want to them because you're good, and they obviously can't be because they're standing in your way. So I get his point, and if you want to look at it from that perspective and as an overall message, then you could kind of see it. A little, there's a little bit of a cautionary tale in there, but I got, I think, but I think the way this. And I'm avoiding the tragedy. Like, it's really easy for me to jump into the tragedy thing yet, but I don't want to do that. I think it's. I think the ch- the ch- the turn was sudden because up in up in friggin' till episode five when those bells rang, she really had done nothing this season that was any different than Danny had done before. Yeah, she was capable. She was she was she was a hard ass. If you if you if you pushed her. Her, and her natural instinct, as Tyrion kind of referred to, it's fire and blood. She is a Targaryen, and as oh, the best, and as Olena pointed out to her last year, you're not a sheep, you're a dragon. Be a dragon. And historically, on this show, whenever Danny was a dragon, whenever Danny did what Danny's instincts told her to do, even if she reined it in a little with advice, but if Danny did basically, it was her plan, and she executed it. Danny was always successful. It's when Danny started to defer to people, don't do this, don't do that. It's like, oh, don't take King's Landing last year when you could have done it like in three minutes. Don't do that because you're going to be viewed as a conqueror, and innocent people might get killed. Well, yeah, but she was, but, but she was in a lot better frame of mind last season, so she could have done that. But we know she couldn't have because their ultimate plot storyline was they wanted her to be where they to end up where she was at the end. But saying that like if it was really a choice, that would have been the better choice for her. Because she would have gotten King's Landing, got Cersei out of the way, instead of just letting her sit there, getting, letting, biding her time, getting stronger, while you're going to get weaker, even if you beat the Night King. But there are all these choices. I think Danny was set up in lose-lose situations where she could do what she wanted to do, but she'd come out looking heartless or being insensitive or being cruel, or she could do what her advisors keep telling her to do, and those things never worked out. <laughs> so it it it's hard. So I don't think. And the reason people say, oh, it was it was sudden is because up until those bells rang, that was the first – she always championed saving saving women and children, protecting the innocent. She didn't leave – she didn't leave Marine as quickly as she could have because she was concerned about what was going to happen when she left. Besides the fact that she knew she wasn't – she had to get her ruling under – you know, underway to get more of a – under her belt, needed to get more experience – 
But if she, all she cared about was getting the throne at all costs, she would have dealt with that after she got the throne. She stayed in Marine a little bit longer to make sure that when she left, it wasn't just going to fall back into the slaver's hands. So I think she was set up – part of the reason, I think, in a nutshell, is that people have a problem is because she was set up as one of the biggest heroes, if not the biggest hero consistently throughout the show, who we were cheering for. Plus she has given us some – the majority of the big stand-up and cheer moments in this show have been with Daenerys and her dragons, whether it's a slave pit or marine or de- uh, destroying the, the slavers you know, and turning the tables on them at the end of what season six and burning the calls and the season one coming out with the dragons, uh, saving John and Jorah and everybody last season, all that. Even this season, episode five, when she took out the, uh, the, the – bl- you know, in Blackwater Bay, when she took out the Iron Fleet and destroyed all the Scorpions and the Golden Company, like in five minutes, we were cheering for that because we've been. So when, when Tyrion made that statement, it bothered me because it was kind of like, "Hey, this this is, we're talking to you, audience. See, that's what you get for cheering for somebody who was killing people." So, okay, your turn, Jim. I rambled on enough about the chat question, <laughs> <laughs> but I loved. But I don't. But the reason why I, I'm passionate is because I don't think as I do. I wouldn't have done this – if I was writing it, I wouldn't have given Daenerys that ending. I respect that was the ending that they wanted to give her. But if they had set it up more – again, I jokingly said like Daenerylax. If they made her turn a little more believable, you could understand it because it's – and I'll talk more about that. But go ahead, Jim. I'm sorry. So it's okay. Um, okay, so I think the one – one of the biggest – all the big complaints that – we're really seeing that have come out of this um, this season, and especially the later episodes, is that like one thing it's rushed. Like, you know, b- compared to the pace of like every season prior, you know, like like you said, like you know, they take like uh, like like Chad said, you know, with the you take all this time, you watch them travel. You've got the conversations, the character building while they're doing that, and you know you're you're watching this enjoyable show as it's moving forward, and that was great. And then they take like two years off to give us the final season, and every episode happens at breakneck speed, and it's like, why did this need to happen like this? Like creatively, like what is the impetus for? forcing all of this stuff to happen at this particular pace like you know you couldn't you couldn't have made more episodes i I mean like this has to be this is the biggest show that hbo has this might be the i think this is the biggest show that they've ever had like they couldn't renegotiate to try and extend the contracts if they needed to like was there was it like specific to like oh well we only had this many episodes, otherwise we'd have to pay an extra million dollars a person for, for each episode. Like, friggin' pay it. Like, pay it and make another season so that this didn't feel like a super rushed, like, you know, it, it was, what was, uh, six episodes? Yes. Yeah, six episodes this season. Like, what, that, that's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous for everything that they needed to wrap up. And so the final season, you know, like thematically and like pace wise is completely different than everything else that precedes it. So you've got that as a complaint. You've got the um, 
the like, I guess it was it would be like the considered poor writing, um, and then this this plays into I guess most of the the complaints, and people are you know they're accusing the show of poor writing because it's like like you like your your biggest thing with with Daenerys her turn and everything like that, and yes there was foreshadowing, but be combined with the fact that it wasn't like a clear descent into madness and the breakneck pace at which they're going. It's like all of a sudden, like she's crazy and she's burning, you know, all these innocent people in, uh, in King's landing. And, and that I think is like them wanting to go for a surprise at the cost of it making sense. They, had to do something that would subvert your expectations regardless of whether or not it made sense in the moment, you know, like, like how the show ends and we'll, we'll, we'll get to that, you know, I'm sure, but you know, like, okay, I'm sure that there were a couple of people that guessed it because everybody's guessing, you know, got theories about everything on this show but I mean, like, by and large, this ending is not how people saw things going. And that is because they wanted to subvert your expectations and give you what you weren't expecting. Meanwhile, it's like, OK, that might have been a George R. R. Martin thing where he wanted to make sure that nobody could see the end coming, which he's basically he's already gone on record and saying that the books would end differently than the show. So I don't necessarily think that it was George R. R. Martin that was telling them, okay, you have to end the show like this. I think they very well could have just been like, okay, well, we're going to keep in, you know, in type with what you have and we're going to end it like this, but we're going to change up some things and this is how we want to go. And he probably said, hey, that's great. Go for that. That way my books will be a completely different, you know, ending maybe he told them to do that so that way you can read the books and actually get a satisfying ending i don't know um but that could be true but that's not what really is at least up to this point that's not what we've been but what what we've been told has been told that this is this was martin's ending and they are and then they and they purposely asked how martin was going to end it so i don't it could be true we something could come out after the fact to say well well he's no he's he has definitely said that the book ending will be different than the show. Oh, because I think, but that could be that could be that could be some parts of it, but not the major beats of it. Because remember, it's a lot of the smaller characters. That, that yeah, that's probably going to be the. But I don't. I, let's put it this way: I don't think that they're going to make Bran king if Bran's not going to be king in in Martin's. I'd be now if it, it'd be good for Martin if that's the case, because it might also increase interest in. More interest in people reading the books that even read it before, but I don't. I think that there may, there may be some differences, but I don't think he's ever said, "Oh, the ending's going to be completely different." I think. I think. Well, yeah, like like you said, like it could it could be that it could be that you know, Bran does end up the king, but maybe he writes it in a way that you're actually like cheering for Bran to become oh, the king. It's, I'm sure, from a motivation perspective, it's all going to be more more played out and more clear because it makes sense. When you're writing, obviously you can get in characters' minds that you can't do on, yeah. you know, on, on the show. So, right. I mean... <clears throat> and Benny, Which is why the first several seasons were so great, is because they had the temple to go off of. Yes. They, they, 
those moments you don't have it's not like it's not like you don't have the time but it's so much harder to put these intricate flowery you know nice small moments in, in written into the show when when they don't exist then versus when they do i mean because if if those little moments on the on the road between uh, king's landing and and winterfell uh, don't exist, then all you're left with is okay. We got two seasons left. Uh, George R. R. Martin hasn't finished the books, but we've got this, 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 and this to wrap up. Holy shit, we've got a lot to do. Uh, let's just focus on bam, 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 bam. Because I, I mean, I, I, maybe we're gonna say something wrong in in the in in the small intricate moments. But my thing, my my, my only real, my true, my only true complaint about the season. Okay, sure. The tone is off. The pacing is off. The, the George R. R. Martin didn't finish the books. Uh, maybe some of the stuff you didn't agree with. Like for instance, they ask Bran to be Lord of Winterfell, and he's like, "I can't. I'm the Three Eyed Raven." But like, then the, you're going to be king. Why do you think I came down here? Like, <laughs> like that. Okay, whatever. You can, you can, you can do all that all you want. My main thing is is the stuff that people are making fun of. The Starbucks cup and the and and the water bottles and stuff like that, like those are those are mistakes you, you you don't make when you're being careful and you're paying attention and trying to put your all into this final season. I mean, right. sure, those are those are you know funny. Oh, you can forgive somebody for doing like one little thing. You know, big blockbuster movies have mistakes all the time and blah. But no, come on, if you're paying real close attention and if this is being People talk about budget cuts for this season. I don't know what they're talking about because I saw articles all over the place that this thing had a massive budget compared to the other seasons. So I've nixed that from my mind. With a massive budget, with as much focus on it as possible, with it being the wrap-up to the finale, like how does the Starbucks cup and the water bottle stuff happen if 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 you truly care about the product you're putting out at the end? I'm not talking about the writing at this point. I'm just talking about the level of focus that they have on this thing seems to be lacking. It's embarrassing having back to back, having having those back to back faux pas, if you will. Uh, I, the, the seasons being now, there's consistency here, though. Of course, as it turns out, maybe it was bad to have this vision. But Benioff and Weiss seem to be the reason why this series ended when it did, because HBO would have been more than happy for this thing to go on forever. <laughs> So, I mean, they wanted more episodes. Benioff and Weiss, I think it was after season six, said, eh, we think we have like about like something like 13 to 15 more hours of material. Yeah. Which they were, which to be fair, they were accurate. Of, you know, I keep I keep forgetting if they said 11 to 13 or 13 to 15. I'm, I'm going to say 13 to 15 because, because, because it makes more sense because of the fact that based on what we got, I mean, 13 was always in there. I know that because that made sense because there were going to be 13 more episodes. So they were pretty right from their perspective, so they were consistent, but based on what we got, even if we didn't get more episodes, we could have got a little bit longer episodes where we could have got some of the, some of this some of this depth. And I think part of part of another reason why people have an issue with, with what happened with Danny is because of the fact that Game of Thrones has pretty much always been consistent about how actions have consequences. And that, so you can end up in a really bad place and have a bad ending, and no one's going to necessarily say, "Yeah, you deserve that." But you can easily see how, how the steps were retrace the steps to see how you got there. Like Ned, Ned got to where he did because he made a series of really bad decisions, <laughs> and yeah. so did so did Rob getting to the red wedding, not listening to Catelyn, and and marrying this 
marrying this bimbo he barely knew and screwing Walter Frey and, 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 and cutting off the head of the car Stark and all this stuff. And he so all so when it happens, it's horrible and you wish you didn't because you still like the character. But at least you can understand, well, this was a series of bad decisions. And if any and this show to a for a long period of time kind of gave you that message that your bad decisions would tend to lead to an ult to bad consequences. It's harder to see that with Danny because, again, especially because she was, like I said, in the last couple of seasons, she was faced with kind of like lose-lose situations, and she tried to do the right thing multiple times. Listen, let's not take King's Landing. Let's put off taking King's Landing again to go help John fight the war in the North. Things that were not in her immediate best best interest. So she tried to do the right thing. She helped, you know, she helped you know, defeat the Night King. Nobody seems to get, almost nobody seems to give a crap. About about her, Sansa's still a raging bitch to her, who is a raging bitch to everybody pretty much this season. Uh, but so it's kind of hard to see exactly where until that and exactly where she went wrong until the until the bells rang. Even though Tyrion, I guess maybe that was the, the Benioff and Weiss's way of trying to justify the, the 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 lack of setup by having Tyrion give us that oh we were cheering for her when she killed their, them and them speech. But I don't think I don't think the payoff was I don't think the payoff for the for her actions were really set up that well. Plus plus again the turn. You don't go you don't come from I could you could I mean being blunt, you could analyze Danny real easy and come up with why she could break at that moment. She's all alone. Everybody who she's ever really cared about and who's loved her unconditionally is dead. Khal Drogo, Masande, Jora, two of her dragons. <laughs> for no, for really no reason at all. <laughs> not for, for, not even for her own, you know, in her for her own pursuits. Really, she lost two dragons, and and the people who are supposed to be around her, who's supposed to believe in her and trust her, she knows she can't trust any of them. Varys is plotting against her. That's 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 a given. Tyrion is a clusterfuck and has made the bad decision after bad decision. Not just giving her advice. But constantly p- putting himself in a situation where he's wrong, but he's always in wrong in favor of his family, which she calls him on this season. And another thing she's accurate about, that she says, well, there's only two choices here. Either you're doing it on purpose or you're incompetent. <laughs> and there's probably a little of both. But he clearly keeps favoring his family. So she can't trust him, and she knows John cares about her. But John's not – he's also made it clear he's not going to pick her over his family – and she tried to caution him. Maybe she, even if she had been more clear, it probably wouldn't have mattered. She tried to make it pretty clear: you can't trust Sansa because you keep viewing Sansa as who she was, and that's not who she is anymore. She knew what Sansa would do with that information. She, I don't think she gave a shit about Arya, but she knew Sansa would use that because because Sansa is the little offspring of Littlefinger and Cersei. <laughs> and yet, so she can't trust John, even though John doesn't want it. She doesn't think John's going to want to to stake her claim. But she knows when you open Pandora's box, anything can happen. She's all alone. She's hurt. She's at that moment where she has everything that she's wanted, seemingly. But she's been close to that before, and the bottom's fallen out. So you could see why the thought goes in her head: the only way I'm going to be sure I'm going to, I'm going to, this is going to be mine now, is to make sure anybody who can resist me is going to be taken out. And then she just went batshit crazy. Uh, so you could psychoanalyze her and come up fine, but still, the point is, I don't think, I don't think the setup for everything. I mean, just, I mean, obviously the 
they, I think they've talked about it. Uh, I think it was some of the producers they talked about. Number one, the Masande thing kind of was the breaking point for her. But going back to something Chad said earlier about um, about not giving a shit when uh, when Viserys got killed, the producers – somebody, either Benioff and Weiss or the producers defended her on that and said, she, he was a horrible person. Why would you be upset? <laughs> but, I mean – but obviously, unlike Tyrion, who bends over backwards for a woman he keeps insisting isn't a monster repeatedly and then re- has no problem referring to her as evil in episode six. <laughs> oh, that, that's Cersei. Um, if they yeah, if they hadn't like gone for like a shocking ending and then just kind of like gave everybody like more story to set the things up so that by the time episode six happened, you knew that Daenerys was going to burn the city. I mean, like, would that have made it better? I think so. But at the same time, that action is different than other shocking actions. So, you know, uh, you know, uh, what the hell was his name? Um, Rob. Rob Stark's death at the Red Wedding, like, you kind of knew at some point, oh, he fucked up. Like, something is going to come and bite him in the ass. Right. I don't know if he's going to be, yeah, I don't know if he's going to die, or I don't know if, if, if the woman he decided to marry is going to get murdered in front of him, and he'll live, but something horrible is, is this way comes <laughs> when all that goes down. Those shocking moments are something completely different. Something like Danny's descent into madness—that has to be that—that's—that's that's intricate. That's storytelling. That's—that's tr- her trying to avoid her, her trying to claim the throne and trying to avoid. Like she can be mad at, at Jamie all she wants and and blah blah blah, but she knows the Mad King was mad and that he earned said title. And she's trying to avoid becoming that herself. But in her path to avoiding it, she becomes it. That's some intricate story stuff. And you need you need to show that a bit more in depth. You need to plant the seeds a bit more. And not just plant the seeds and suddenly the next day we got a half-grown tree, but plant the seeds and suddenly see it, you know, come up out of the groundwork a little bit, <laughs> rear its rear its fangs, and then start <laughs> You know, really, really solidifying itself. Um, so, so, certainly, certainly. Cer- cer- certain things can be a heel turn, and it be fine, like the red wedding. Other things, like her descent into madness, madness, that's borderline poetry, and that needs time. Especially because, again, you're not just taking a minor character, and you're taking pro- from season one all the way through season eight probably the one consistent hero we've been following and, we, and whose story we've cared about and who has had a lot of character development and a lot of changes and you know we've just seen her grow as a person and other and but you, but you're right you need you need more you need more development more more than they gave us in that episode which was when when Tyrion when they're in Dragonstone is going oh if they ring the bells call off the attack and she's just kind of like staring at him and then she just turns back to Grey Worm after she had given him the order to ready the Unsullied and it's kind of nods to him but not to not to Tyrion so obviously that now we can look back and say well in a way that that was a hint but but the, but but they the uh 
the showrunners or whatever themselves said that Danny didn't do this. This was not a preemptive action. Danny did it in the heat of the moment. So Danny did not know she was going to do it until she did it. So even that quote unquote foreshadowing means nothing because Danny didn't plan it. It just happened. That was that could have simply been, well, I'm sick and tired of listening to your shit, Tyrion. So shut up because you're always wrong. Just like I'm pretty sure that she, oh, the only reason she told him about Jamie being captured was because she, she knew. He was going to try to go, and I'm sure I was set up on purpose so he could try, so he would free Jamie, because that's like yeah. hanging bait in front of. And, and how? And how? I mean, I understand the Jamie thing with Tyrion. I get it. That part I get. Why he went kept bending over backwards for Cersei, who hated him from the moment he was born. Uh, we know he she freaking tortured him when he was a baby. We got that story from Oberyn. That it's. That woman would see him die a thousand painful deaths and be ready for a thousand and one tomorrow and be sitting there with popcorn and just ready to go. And why he would – why he would – for a guy – and this is another example where I think the – instead of talking to the audience, this is when I think a character was speaking for the audience. When Sansa said to him or about, I used to think you were the cleverest man, that line, I think she was speaking for us as the audience too because we all used to think Tyrion was the smartest man in the room. Tyrion has been an idiot for like t- – Two plus seasons. Ever since he left Westeros the first time, I don't know if he's made a good decision. <laughs> well, with um, with Tyrion and um, oh Cersei. god, uh, Cersei, yeah, Cersei. I think like the biggest aspect to that is that his brother is his best friend in the world, and like. He knows that his brother loves Cersei. So, like, if if there's any way that he can make his brother happy and get Cersei, like, away from, you know, from that place forever, like, that to him would be the best possible outcome. And, you know, like, it, even all the times that he was, like, showing mercy to her, it was more so, like, he was trying to avoid, you know, a a really deadly battle, which obviously, you know, he, he failed, but, but it like, it was, I think it was, it was less about Cersei, more about King's Landing and also, you know, helping Jamie. But he knew, but he knows his sister well, or he knew his sister well enough to know there's no way she was ever leaving that city unless she was dead. She wasn't going to abandon the city. Not because she gave a shit about the people. At all, which is, kind of, which is another thing with Jamie making that comment in episode 5. Oh, I never really cared much for the people. That was the whole reason he supposedly killed the Mad King. Because of what he was going to do to the city and the people. So, that's, so that was a contradiction unto itself. But the idea that he... I know I think technically Tommen was still king, but he became a uh, hand to the queen originally. But he had to... But as soon as Cersei became queen, he... he again, if he's as bright as we thought he was... He had to know this was only going to end one way. In order for Daenerys to get what she wanted, Cersei was going to have to be dead because he knows Cersei well enough. It had actually had little as it had very little to do with Daenerys as, as it had to do with Cersei. Cersei wasn't going to re, wasn't going to quit. Cersei didn't care. And just like originally, uh, and Danny touched on it in the final episode, but of course that's not really Danny anymore, which again bad writing because she other than that when she's trying to talk to John ever so briefly, that's the only time you see any of the real Danny left in her. That the point the point is that with with Danny and 
that with Cersei that it was just gonna it was just gonna end that way because Cersei would never give up. She was never gonna give it up, and she was using those people as like meat shields. She was doing it on purpose, and I think she was. Well, and I think she was doing it on purpose partially because she didn't really think Daenerys would do all that. And, and but if she did, then hey, in, in the end, I'm gonna win because people are gonna hate are gonna. All the lies I've been saying about Daenerys, people are going to believe if she do, if she takes King's Landing that way. But I think, she, but she, I, I mean, he had to know it was going to end horribly. Even if they even if they did the siege idea, which was Tyrion's great plan to begin with, let's just lay siege to the city, basically starve them out. Okay, you're going to have so hundreds hundreds or more people are going to die at least for starvation before they might decide to finally have an uprising inside the city, which might not even be successful. So you still could have thousands potentially of people dying because Cersei is just going to feed herself and her troops. She's not going to care about the people. So I got so, but yeah, I mean, I understand, but I understand at the point when at some point Daenerys had to do what she had to do because the odds were still in her favor, but they were dwindling. Like last season, probably there were like 990 chances out of a thousand that she would take be able to take King's Landing. Now she's got half her unsullied, like a third of her Dothraki, one dragon. Yeah, she's got John's troops to balance it out, but now the all King's Landing is is refortified with scorpions and the Black Fleet and all the stuff and the Golden Company. Her chances of victory were still good, but they were not. But all, one one bad shot and Drogon goes down, and there and that whole thing can change. So she knew her time was running out, so she can't just sit around forever. But I agree with you. Tyrion cared about the people, but he knew Cersei didn't. And he also knew he should know his sister well enough to know she no her ego alone was going to make it. She was never going to quit. She was never going to walk. Well, well, the, look, part of it, part of the equation is probably Jamie. I, I don't deny that. But you can make the same arguments you're making here about why the hell he kept always trying to get Tywin's approval too. So I mean, like, I, maybe maybe he he thought also. That now that Tywin's out of the picture, Cersei, you know, the the influence Tywin had over Cersei is no longer there. Maybe she can come back. But the, he said it to her in in his little speech, and I pulled it up here on online. One of the lines that he says to her, he says uh, when he's standing outside the gates, he says, "But you're not a monster. I know this. I know this because I've seen it. You've always loved your children more than yourself, more than Jamie, more than anything." I beg you, if not for yourself, then for your child, your reign is over, but that doesn't mean your life has to end. And I always thought that that, that in addition to Jamie, in addition to maybe his thoughts that uh, Tywin's a bad influence o- over Cersei, and Cersei was always trying to get Tywin's approval and all of this, uh, when, you know, Tywin, you know, gave all the all the care in the world and, you know, all the, all the stuff to Jamie, But also... You always saw the reverence and love that 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 Tyrion had for for his you know niece and nephews. Like I mean, not obviously he may he may have slapped Joffrey around a little bit, but let's be honest. After a while, did that come from a place of wow, this kid is too far gone? Sure, but at the beginning, he was probably my nephew was acting a fool. I love this little shit. He needs to act right, you know that sort of a thing. So like. I, I don't know. I think I think part of I think part of it is he always thought his sister could come back because he saw who she could be when she was with her kids. I don't know. I, Possibly. I, I, I don't. I think he could have thought that. I don't know. I don't remember her ever being that. I'm not saying she didn't care. I don't remember her being the ultimate warm mother going. But it's been so long ago since the early seasons, and she had 
she had smaller kids. I, I, I mean, I know what Tyrion was trying to accomplish, but here's the problem. Tyrion was in a – Tyrion, she never should have been hand to the queen because it was a conflict of interest from the get-go. Even when Tommen was still king. <laughs> yeah, Tommen was a wuss, so maybe Tommen would have considered you know, abdicating. But as long as Cersei was around, you still were going to have to deal with her. It just it just seemed like he he was constantly he was in a conflict and he was never he was never on board with Daenerys the way he needed to be in order to serve her in that position because he knew what the goal was and again he knows Cersei well enough to know that it's probably only going to end one way for Danny to get what she wants Cersei's going to have to get hers but she really didn't by the way talk about an, an unsatisfying death on the show <laughs> whoa. Uh, but I, he just put him, he just put himself in a bad position, and it's not like, and, and Danny gave him plenty of rope to hang himself. I mean, she was ready to kick him to the curb before Jorah saved him and said, "Well, you know, give him another chance." I mean, she wasn't going to kill him, I don't think, at that point. She was just going to say, "Hey, you're no longer hand to the king, queen." But so, which again shows from a Danny perspective that Danny was still reachable because the people who she trusted could still sway her. And have her hey, this we think I think you should do this because Jorah told her to go talk to to cut Tyrion some slack. He can still help you. And even though we didn't see the conversation, it's clear that Jorah told her to try to make some peace with Sansa because that's the next scene we see when Daenerys goes to see her. So she was reachable to the very end, but that's because there was nobody left she could trust. And and, Dan, and John kept rejecting her, which is really interesting. You think once during all the times John rejected her, he could have like mentioned the fact that. I can't because I know you're my aunt now. <laughs> Maybe once to make it pretty just crystal clear that yeah, I really want to, but every time, but you're my aunt now. It's just not the same. I mean, we all know that, but it was never even addressed between the two of them. <laughs> Probably because she was so, still so down with it. Oh, I don't mean I don't mean from her perspective. We know she's okay with it. I didn't face. I know. Oh yeah, it's it's part of her bloodline. The, her entire Targaryen history is is fraught with it. Well, That's yeah. not the way he was raised, right, though. Right. Right. So, and the fact that just be, and just because once she found out who he was, she didn't she didn't change having the hots for him at all. So just even if even if it wasn't, we know it is. Even if it wasn't inherent in the Targaryen bloodline to do that, it was like. It, it's like uh, getting getting up in the morning. <laughs> the reality is, for John, it's not. And and it would have been nice for John to at least say, "I would really like to. I w- I would. I wish things were the same between the two of us." But since I found that out, all I see when I, I mean, you're my queen, and I love you, and I will follow you. But I see you as, but you're my aunt, and I can't, you know. So, I mean, more eloquent than I just said it. But the point is, it could have been something. But all the times he rejected her, it just seemed like there was a glaring opportunity missed to make it clear why, instead of just further alienating her. Not that it may have made a difference at that point, but it just seemed like Jesus. How could that not be addressed? <laughs> it's like the th- it's like the fifty-five thousand pound elephant in the room. You're my aunt. You're my hot aunt, but you're my aunt. <laughs> you know, we spent a lot of time on Danny and Cersei and stuff. But speaking of John, John. This season, I mean, like, don't give me. I'm not as invested in all of this as you guys. Um, I'm, I'm not as invested in all this as, as you guys are. But at the same time, you know, I buy the seasons on Blu-ray. I do enjoy the show. 
did you just did you get a feeling? And, and I'll, I'm also going to throw another thing out there. I'm going to ask a question, and then continue talking, and then we'll come back and answer uh, answer the question. But did you get the feeling like I did, like almost like, and, and just to bring it to Green Lantern for a second, just as a touch point, did you almost feel like John Stewart was like Kyle Rayner if Kyle Rayner just kept saying to an almost annoying level that he's not worthy of being a Green Lantern? You know, like just. It so adamantly proposed that to everyone he came across that you were just like, oh, my God, Kyle, shut the F up. You're a Green Lantern. Just deal with it. <laughs> like almost like I, I felt that way with John, like the, his his people wanting him to lead people wanting him to, you know, like his whether that be the people around him or his family or w- what. Like it was just almost to the point where like, OK, John, how many people have to tell you this before you get it? And the other thing I I wanted to throw in there before we answer that is he kept saying to Sansa and Arya and Bran that, you know, know, I'm I'm not a Stark. I'm a a Targaryen. You know, tell them, you know, all this stuff. Yes, you are. (laughs) You're half Stark. You're you're half Stark. Well, I think he may just (laughs) tell them that I'm not your your half brother. Well, I I, I know. But 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 it's almost like he threw away the Stark thing just just because I'm not your brother. But like. You're still half Stark. Made Sansa well, happy though. Like, On multiple will levels. You, will you admit? Will you admit who the hell you are? <laughs> I mean, I guess I, I. But yeah, John is obviously your, your. He's your classic kind of like reluctant leader. I mean, and and I, and I think he was. I think he was a. I think he was afraid not just not be, just because he didn't want it because he didn't want to be king in the north either. And, but circumstances kind of made that made that happen. But I think, but because of his loyalty to, Daener- to Daenerys, that was another reason why he didn't want to go down that road. Because he, I mean, because even though John's incredibly naive and in following the Ned Stark school of decision making, which is your ethic, you're you're like the only ethical and moral person in a completely unethical and immoral world, and yeah, and it usually doesn't end well for you. That the idea that if this gets out, if Pandora's box gets open. Then yes, there could be a, eventually there could be a groundswell, and he, maybe he won't have a choice but to answer it, and then he's going to end up betraying Daenerys. Regardless, I mean, moving beyond the being lovers with her, he's just going to because he pledged himself to her, and John is a man of his word, like Ned. So I think I think part I think part of it is that that's why he he was torn, and it, but he, had, he but he also isn't a liar. Hmm. But he also isn't a right. liar, so I think he felt. He felt like he had to tell Sansa in Arya, which, of course, I think is obviously telling telling Arya was never the problem. It was always going to be telling Sansa. Yeah, yeah. I I, I, I never really got the um, that that thing with like you know it's like oh I'm not worthy of the ring type thing. Uh, you know, like early on maybe, um, but I mean in in more recent years. He kind of like took it upon himself and realized that like he was going to need to lead everybody to defeat the Night King and save the living. And that basically became his mission. And he felt empowered enough to do that, you know, like but that that was about it. Like he didn't you know, like he came from very humble beginnings and he had no interest in. You know, in like having actual power, he just wanted to protect everyone. 
That's how I interpreted it. And and obviously the prince who was promised was not promised a happy ending. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe may, actually maybe he was. Yeah, he, I will get to that. Yeah, though. he gives he gives you a hint of a smile. So it's it's not the worst fate for Jon Snow. It's just kind of sad based on everything that he's done and all the sacrifices that he's made. So I think yeah, I but I, I was, well, maybe he's the king beyond the wall. Really, this time some people have speculated that eventually he could eventually. And it's, not, and it's not like he couldn't. He and, and it's not like he's got the ankle bracelet on. It's not like he really can't marry and have kids if he wants to. It's just, but that was a real. That was real clever too. And let's make sure the Targaryen line completely dies out. <laughs> Keep it in your pants, John. Um, how about how about redemption arcs? What do you, like uh, Theon versus Jaime? Who do you think had the better arc this se- this season or overall? Well, this season it would be Jamie because barely any time at all was spent on on. Uh, uh, I already forgot his name. What the hell? Like he didn't he didn't have any he didn't really have any screen time at all. I mean, he had that the moment where he was defending Bran. And that's why. But I, I mean, would in terms would disagree. <laughs> in, 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 ter- in terms of focus, though, I mean, it just seems like if a redeeming arc isn't just actions i mean i think i think you guys would are mark in particular would are don't you keep saying that you know what happened to vader uh, at the end of the uh, of, uh, of of the movie uh, didn't really yeah it didn't really redeem him of any the, the action it's that one action doesn't redeem him of all of his past crimes well i mean but theon you know, didn't have just one action Theon, the- I know, but you said you said this. I said bo- I said both. I said overall. Okay. And I said this season. Okay. Well, I, if we're just focusing on this season, I say Jamie. Even though he went back to Cersei. Yeah. Jim. He didn't go back. To, he didn't go back to her to to help her solidify her reign and and help defend King's Landing from from Daenerys. He went back to save her. That's it. We're talking about redemptions. Yeah, who had the better yeah. redemption, redemption arc between who? Like, what are my options here? Jamie and Th- Jamie and Theon, and it can be this season or overall. Um, I would say, I, I would say absolutely with this season, it's Theon. Theon had a much better redemption arc. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, like uh, honestly, you know, Theon. He, yeah, he screwed up early on, but, you know, considering the punishment he, he went through with uh, Ramsey and, uh, you know, like, and then when he risked his life to save Sansa and then, you know, like he, like, he kind of like, you know, faltered again with, with Yara, but then, you know, he kind of like made a comeback and, and then saved her. And then at the end of the day, it's like, okay, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to die to defend, you know, the Starks as I really should have been doing the entire time. Like, I mean, like, I don't think you got a better redemptive arc, you know, than that one. I agree. I think I think Theon has a better redemption arc for the season. I think I think Jamie. I think they kind of ruined Jamie's redemptive re- overall redemption arc by going back to. Cersei, even if he really was going back, assuming he was going to die, I would probably suspect deep down when he left Winterfell to go back, 
to King's Landing, he probably figured he was going to die with Cersei. It was it was Tyrion who gave him the idea. Oh, you could you could go out the back way and and get out. But I don't necessarily think when he left King's Landing, he really thought he was could be he could save her. He probably figured she was going to die and he would die and he would die with her. But yeah. But I think I think Theon absolutely because Theon's is more. De- Jamie's was deserved if it had ended a little better because we saw a different side of Jamie. Though again, that I, that comment about oh I never really cared about the people of King's Landing is bull. Is that just that's just a problem because it, it's hard to because the first positive thing we really learned about Jamie that that Kingslayer name that supposedly everybody hung on him and was not a positive. We realized one of the major reveals about Jamie is when we found out that what the Mad King was planning. And what he was planning on doing to the city, and that's why Jamie had to kill him. To say you don't care now about the people, then why the hell did you do that? Then it makes it sound like you simply killed them for your own family's political gain. But I don't like. I don't. I think they kind of ruined. I think they kind of ruined his redemption arc a little. Theon's, I think, was much. He did bad things. He, she certainly suffered worse than Jamie suffered physically for it. And yes, he put himself on. Eventually, he kind of started finding himself when he rescued Sansa. And then, yes, he wavered. A, he had, a, you know, he he had a little bit of that wavering again with uh, when Yara got captured. But yes, he redeemed him. He put himself on the line to to, to get Yara. He came back to pledge. You know, he, he came back not just to because to honor his uh, you know his allegiance to Daenerys, but because of his personal relationship and his loyalty to Sansa, and then being willing to die for. For Bran, I think, I think Theon. I, I personally think Theon had the better redemption arc. Not as important a character, uh, but I think. What you call it? Um, Lauren's been, uh, you know, slowly going through the the original episodes again, um, in conjunction with watching the final season, and, you know, like when you see Theon in the beginning, it's like he really felt like part of the Starks, but what you call it? Um, the, uh, who was the Robert, Robert, right? Rob, Rob, Stark, Robert, yeah. Robert, Rob Stark. Yeah. Rob Stark. Rob Stark was kind of a dick to him, you know, trying to like, be like, you know, what the hell are you doing? You know, you know, you're not actually part of this family. You know, meanwhile, like you've got, like he saved, um, he saved Bran in like with the first couple of episodes. Do you guys remember that at a all? Little, a little bit. I do kind of remember that a little bit. You know, like that was uh, that was when Tonks first appeared. Um, you know, way way back when, and like they're marauders, and like they're gonna, you know, they're gonna take him out, and all of a sudden you've got Theon, you know, with the you know the bow and arrow, basically saving his life, and uh, Rob's like, you know, it's like, you know, what what are you doing that for? You know, like, you know, I, I can save this family. It's it's like, well, you know, I just saved his life and i am you know kind of part of this family so i mean like it's they they set theon up as far as like okay here's somebody who you know really cares about this family and wants to do the right thing by them and you know like and then they're kind of like turning their back on him you know so he turns his back on them so i mean like even his you know, his turn against them was not completely out of nowhere. So that way, by his end, when he is redeemed, I think, and even the thing with Yara, like, 
you know, after all that he had been through, like he clearly had PTSD. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah. Like, you know, you can even you can give him a pass on that. I think like by the end he has the best redemptive redemptive arc. But I mean, you could also kind of say that he never really needed to be redeemed in the first place. Well, he did. He did burn those kids alive. <laughs> uh, when? Which one? When was that? The ones he was passing what? off as Brandon Rickon. Yeah, right. The little farm kids. Yeah. Oh well, you know. <laughs> What's well, a few burned bodies? This is Game of Thrones. <laughs> On the sliding scale, he's still way below Daenerys, right? Uh, yeah. So, but I get your point. In a way, Theon was kind of like he kind of belonged to two houses, but in a way, belonged to neither. Because he obviously was taken and raised by Ned Stark, but he really was a Greyjoy, and he yeah. wanted to be, a, and he really wanted to be a Stark. But you're right, and then and then he yeah. went back, and and then trying to get the Greyjoys to help Rob in his war, and he kind of and he got kind of ripped a new one by his father, and, and you know pressured into. So I, I I I get what Chad's saying. I I Jamie was set up for a beautiful redemption arc. And I don't think he completely flushed it down the toilet by going back to Cersei, but I don't think it helped. I don't think he didn't. I think it it did kind of leave a bad taste in your mouth compared to Theon's. That Theon just got stronger at the end. He he crossed the finish line strong, and and Jamie I don't think did. Um, well, I mean, uh, uh, the only reason I said Jamie's because it, it, I, I was taking it from just this season and the fact that you know when when he sees Bran, you can see some clear shame in his eyes about what happens to, to, to what he did to Bran. Then his whole conversation with Bran, the fact that he uh, that he uh, knights Brienne, uh, the fact that, you know, he has all these these, you know, wonderful conversations while up in the north, the fact that he, you know, fights for the living uh, at the side of Brienne of Tar. I mean, it's just like I mean, there's 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 so much there's so much that happens to Jamie in terms of it's not like he went to seek out redemption or anything like that up there, but like he, you know, his his initial his whole reason for going up there was, yeah, Cersei's uh, betraying them. I'm I don't give a shit. I disagree with her. I'm gonna go fight. You know, like that's that. I mean, I just I just feel like his his actions. I mean, he might have he may not have been seeking it out, but there are so many different moments that he has that are just you know feel good moments that you wouldn't necessarily expect from Jamie. That you know, it felt like he had the better redemptive arc for the season. Sure, you know, Theon had it for for the series, you know, and he has that that final moment. You know, he's you're a good man, and he rushes the Night King, and he dies in defense of Bran. I mean, that's that's that of the two for the series. That's that it, it's definitely Theon. I'm just saying for the season, it there there was more that seemed to happen with Jaime. Well, yeah. I mean. He's a major, more of a major character, so he's going to get more screen time. But I get where you're coming from. But I still think I think I just still think the end, the way him going back to Cersei, I think weakens the story. Though I agree, up until that point, you could make a case. He he certainly had a good season. He had a lot of non old school Jamie moments because old school Jamie was a dick. Uh, but like again, go ahead, Jim. I mean, you know, the character of Jamie is like one that. Here's somebody who has a like regarded how warped an internal source of um, of honor, you know, and like a code of ethics unto himself. 
And he also does like some really shitty things, but not stuff that falls outside of his code of ethics. You know, like because I like when when he says like, you know, I don't I don't ever cared about, you know, saving the people. Obviously, that's bullshit. Like it's either a bullshit line on his part or it's just bad writing because that doesn't make any sense. Now, you know, like you've you've seen him do a lot of things like throughout the series where it's like, OK, well, you know, like it, when it when it comes down to it, like even like their, you know, their their motto, a Lannister always pays their debts, you know, like that's that's that line where it's not just about money, you know? And that is kind of how Jamie has played his, you know, his character throughout the whole series. So, like, when it comes to the final, you know, the final se- you know, season, like, yeah, he made the, the pledge that, you know, to, co- to go north. So he damn well better, you know, go north and, and fight. Otherwise, he wouldn't be able to live with himself in his code of ethics. Now, that said, as soon as the fight was over and he finds out that Cersei's in trouble – he hides it, hightails it back there, you know, no matter what the cost, knowing that he's probably going to die, you know, given that there's a slight chance that he might or might be able to save her. But again, it all falls within his, you know, his code of ethics. So I, I don't I don't know that I would really give him much of a redemptive arc, you know, or consider it much of a redemptive arc because, you know, like it just continues in that vein of him doing the honorable thing in, you know, in the course of his mind, but also, you know, reverting back to doing like shitty things when, you know, when he's called to do them. And, you know, like he starts out the, the show like, you know, pushing a kid out of a window in an attempt to murder him. I, you know, I mean, like and then he ends the show you know, trying to save, like, this, you know, despotic ruler from another despotic ruler. So, I mean, like, his arc, you know, like, yeah, it, 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 it hit some, some higher points, but, you know, it, it kind of started on a low point and, and ended on a low point. I, I think, if, if anything, if there's, like, kind of an anti-redemption arc for him. Good observations. I'd say we should talk about Sansa, but really her whole role is just let me start shit. Yeah, <laughs> Sansa needs Sansa needs to be talked about because then Jim and I talked about this earlier in the season. It's just the fact that it's kind of it, it, this this and don't get me wrong, the Starks have been my as a family. The Starks clearly the family that we're all supposed to be pulling for on this show because as they started, they were the main characters of the main family in the beginning and as it turned out they did very well at the end the ones that were still around except for john yeah oh uh but don't forget but he's not a but 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 he's only a cousin so he doesn't count <laughs> get to the back of the line but son yeah the same people that earlier in the season were so quick to be to judge you know danny and other people oh my god she's cold and she's ruthless and oh she's only after one thing but the same people so often they were so willing to give a pass to sansa who had decided made up her mind long before she ever met daenerys not gonna like her don't want don't want to like her don't care about her 
uh, or you know, that she learned she learned her lessons. She's like ten 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 years away and one and one more bad experience from being Littlefinger or Cersei at the same age, because she is cold and she is manipulative, and she get and the, and the, I mean when she told Tyrion that that secret for exactly the reason Daenerys said that. <laughs> that she did because she knew that Tyrion would flap his gums and and put it out there and and that's the reason why because it was to try to hurt Daenerys that's the reason why Sansa told Tyrion the, but she didn't just betray Jon's trust when you really think about it she betrayed Ned's trust she betrayed your father her father kept that friggin' secret for like 18 years and took it to the grave he even risked a happy home with his wife to protect that child because he made that pledge to his dying sister and asshole Sansa yeah. couldn't even keep it for like three hours yeah they gave me they gave a look on her face like maybe she was seriously considering not telling him but I don't buy that I just I mean maybe but she didn't care this was all I mean she was the most she was so manipulative this season it was a joke even flip again we're gonna talk about episode six by more as a whole but flip to the episode six. When, when 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 Bran's name comes up at the end, uh, you know, to, to rise to the top, she's the one talking him down. Like, oh, oh, he has no desire to be king. Oh, we can't have kids, which is real nice. I guess she spent a lot of hours talking to her younger brother about his, his inability to have erections, I suppose. Or or she's a practicing urologist at her, at her off time at Winterfell to know that for a fact. But she's doing everything she can. Now we understand it a little bit more when we find out the reason why she's talking him doesn't want him to take that role because she has no intention of sticking around. But and she just she was just a really bratty, entitled little kid, and now she's just a very clever, manipulative, entitled adult. And I know she's a Stark, and we're supposed to, and we're supposed to overlook a lot of crap that she does. But but yeah, I mean, it's 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 crap. What she what she pulled what she pulled in the final episode is like oh. Well, I'm waiting to talk about it specifically because we, we kind of wanted to do that episode by itself as we're heading towards it. But yeah, Sansa, I the the ones I had read the spoilers. I heard about most of the spoilers for episodes five and six. The thank God she didn't get the Iron Throne. The too bad she still ended up getting something which I didn't think she did get. It was, it was not in the spoilers. I just thought she was Warden of the North, but. She got more of a happy ending than I think she deserved, <laughs> even though she's a Stark. I don't know. I, I think, like, they've been kind of telegraphing for a while that they were going to give her more and more just because, I don't know, I guess what she kind of stands for or what she's been through. Like, you know, like she suffered so much that they want to reward her character i guess uh the thing that the thing that always kind of bothered me was that she she was always like you know the north you know is is fed up and they, they won't bend the knee to anybody else like that's that's kind of bs like if bran is you know in, gonna well i mean we, we said we were gonna get to this later but you know honestly if bran's gonna run the kingdom then why the hell would the people of the North have a problem with a Stark, you know, sitting on the throne? They wouldn't. The only person that really has a problem with that is is Sansa. Yes, because it gets in the way, gets in the way of her of her rise to power. Right. So I, I mean, I, you know, like I don't know, like you, you kind of you saw her her arc, 
and, you know, and, and you, you kind of saw her trajectory. And I mean, I guess, you know, I, I, I guess because she's, you know, a kingdom unto herself now in the north and her brother runs everything else because it's all in the family. It's 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 OK, I guess. Yeah, it is know. odd. Just like just like Brand, who obviously knew how things were going to turn out the whole time, but yet, but yet, there's nothing wrong with that because he's a Stark. So I guess him manipulating potentially people like, for this all to fall into place, it doesn't matter because he's a Stark. So good. <laughs> well, and I'm only I'm kidding a little bit, but I know a lot of. But it opens the door to that. You know, if he really knew so much of what was going going to happen, you know, if he really didn't want it to happen, you know, depending, you could he could have tried to take steps to. Well, I mean, okay, here's here's the thing about that. Like, we don't know exactly how much he knows about the past, present, and future. We know that he can look at anything, but unless he specifically does, then he won't know it. Now, like, that combined with the fact that the last time that he tried to affect change, he basically turned somebody into, a, like, a, a simpering fool – who could only say one word. <laughs> so, I mean, like, does he really want to try and do that again? I, I you know, I kind of doubt it. You know, like that, that I think screwed him up. I don't think that he's, you know, super willing to like change the, the space time continuum based on his visions. Uh, you know, like also the other thing is, you know, like they, they have definitely laid a lot of the groundwork with him as far as setting him up as a character who does not see the past, present and future the same way that we do. And so by, you know, like to judge him based on, well, why didn't you do this? And it's like, well, you know, he's like, to me, like the, the, the future is just as set in stone as the past you know, and all I can do is view it kind of thing than to let people know about what is going to happen would change it and would be, you know, uh, like a cataclysmic event kind of thing. I like he's looking at everything in a different perspective. I, I can I can see that. I can I can buy that. Um, I, like the, I like the meme that had cropped up. About Tyrion naming him Bran the Broken. It's like, Tyrion, the king shall be Bran the Broken. Bran. Yeah, actually, just Bran is cool. <laughs> Tyrion, or Bran the Busted Up. Bran, okay, or Tyrion, Bran the Wheelie Wheelie Legs No Feely. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, that Bran. Lauren, Lauren. Lauren just showed me a meme a few minutes ago. It's like <laughs> it's a picture of uh, of Bran, and uh, on top, you know, it's like every, you know, no one, you know, nobody says anything, and Sansa just blurts out, "His dick don't work." <laughs> my my favorite my favorite one is the photo of Bran, and it says up up top, it says. When you don't contribute to the group yes. project and you still get an A. <laughs> yeah, but, but he did contribute. <laughs> he did have his moments. Uh, yes, but... Yeah, I... But there were... 
there were worse choices, but obviously there were better. I, well, at the end, it's kind of hard to figure who would have been the, who would have been the better choice of that group. If you were if you were just selecting from that group, <laughs> really, Davos. I would have voted for Davos, but I like that that la- one of the last scenes we get is Davos correcting somebody else's yeah, grammar that's a nice when the begin- to him and Stannis and everything. That's that was beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean that were I mean. Should we kind of morph into episode six? I mean, I think we have all along. I know, but we said but we were kind of purposely holding off for po- I mean, for points. I mean, for uh, yeah. breaking it down. At least Davos. I mean, da- Davos. There are a few characters that actually you could say truly got a happy ending. I mean, I guess Davos. I guess is one of them. Uh, Bronn obviously got a happy ending. Got <laughs> his castle. Yeah, Sam got a Sam got a happy ending. Uh, probably. Brienne got a bittersweet, kind of bittersweet. Podrick got a happy ending. Uh, the you know, the 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 brand the the Braun ending. Like, I feel like after episode uh, was it four that he showed up at? Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah I four. Think that's right. I, like they they I don't think they did him like any favors with his appearance. I think that was completely out of character for him. Oh, the way you know, like, Jamie and Tyrion, the way he treated them. Yes, yeah, and you know, I, like I, I get that he's a you know a hired gun, a mercenary, and he's not a great dude. But I mean, like we know that he has history with them, and like we know that they would be willing to you know to shell out the money for him. So like. You know, he the, just like the the attitude that he had was just like, you know, like I don't know you, and I'm going to kill you until you promise me this, and then I'm going to go away. And it was just like, like that's you know that's shitty. Like it's like if he had showed up and been like, like okay, well, what are you guys going to give me? You know, and then okay, we'll give you blah 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 blah. Okay, now let's all have a beer kind of thing. Like that, like. That's what you wanted. That's what everybody wanted, you know, to like to make Bron out like to be a dick. And then in the finale, it's like, oh, yeah, well, now, you know, he got everything that he wanted and everything's hunky dory. Like, no, like it's that's that's a shitty, you know, character jump from one to the next spot. Right. And he even mentions it when he's doing all this. Everybody knows he can't trust Cersei. You know he can't he can't trust Cersei, and he kind of acknowledges that. So to to make right. to make it seem like he would really, even for a moment, actually follow through because I agree. I think that was I think that was out of character. I think I it was it was it was it was disappointing the way we were hoping we were going to see him, obviously, but for him to show up in that in that yeah. meet, you know that that was that was not. What you would expect based on the nature of the of the relationship. Um, yeah. Considering this was the guy that once thought of that at least ever so briefly entertained ever so briefly entertained the idea of championing Bron. I mean, championing Tyrion against the mountain. <laughs> ever so briefly, at least at least he analyzed it, you know. And he said, and and his and his analysis was correct because he said just one mistake and you're done. And that's exactly what Oberyn made <laughs> one mistake. Yeah. So. 
Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, and, and that little small council meeting just kind of seemed like, oh, this is a feel good moment in a, in a, in a show that's real, and especially in an episode that's really super depressing. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. boop, 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 boop. And, and I don't, and, and part, and pardon me for feel, I don't feel sorry for Tyrion at friggin' all. The guy was such oh. a cluster. For the last, he does everything wrong and, and, and he gets, quote-unquote, punished by becoming the second most powerful man in Westeros. And just because he doesn't really want it, we're supposed to think that's a punishment. <laughs> and if Bran's management style, if that really was an indication of Bran's management style, which it may not be, but his, his ever-so-brief cameo at the council meeting, that means on a day-in, day-out basis, he's going to be the most powerful man in, in, the, in the Six Kingdoms. <laughs> I don't feel so, – so he basically fell upwards as – you know. And and, spe- and I don't see how speaking. I don't see how Grey Worm and turns him back over to them. Certainly, I don't see how John lives. Let's let's talk about that for a moment. John friggin' kills kills Daenerys. Which is, and the most heartbreaking part of all of that was Drogon. I felt so bad. I mean, I felt so bad when Drogon was giving her the nudge. You know, when he was when he was mourning for her. Yeah. And he picked her up and carried her away. That I felt so bad for. I mean, it's pretty sad when Drogon is some of the best character development of the show for the last like year or so. I, you know, but by the same token, like th- him, him turning to the throne and like you know, you know, like like fuck you, and then you know just melts the whole thing. It's it's as if they waited for the last episode to have somebody like turn to the camera and be like it's like and it was all for a game of thrones you know and that that's that's essentially what the dragon was saying by melting that and it's just like like really like really like you had to like have somebody make that commentary and it's coming from the freaking dragon like give me a break he's a wise dragon man but but how is a wise ass dragon (laughs) Hey man, don't be dissing my Drogon. But I don't care for your tone. <laughs> Listen, he flew off. He's he's Drogon. Oh, some people pronounce it that way anyway. But <laughs> but how in the world are we supposed to believe John didn't? First of all, John ha- again being John has to be Ned. Ned you would think John was Ned Stark's son because he had to confess because there was no friggin' body and there was no murder weapon. <laughs> And no dragon. Oh, she, she. He could at least bought himself some time. She and Drogon went off somewhere. He had to friggin' confess. Well, I listen, unless somebody, unless, I, they unless, knew. unless somebody saw they him knew. carrying the the body. But you would assume jo- you would assume John confessed either way, or he sees, he certainly didn't deny it. But either way, you, uh, you know, okay. I I think I think they definitely saw the body in the dragon's talon. Uh, you know, like that that. But that's neither here nor there. Like the fact of the matter was, the dragon was guarding the the path in, and the dragon was only going to let certain people in. So they would know that okay, well, it was John because John's the only one that has a relationship with the dragons. You know, even beyond that, John would be the kind of person to confess. He would be the kind of person that would would do it and be like, you know, I, I don't deserve to live after what I've done, you know, like right. to feel the guilt, feel actual guilt for doing it. You know, like the, the inconsistency is definitely with the fact that they, 
took him as a prisoner instead of killing him on the spot. But they just they did a time jump and nobody saw what actually happened. I know, which is kind of disappointing too that they chose not to sh- to sh- to see that. Just especially because it would have been interesting to see Grey Worm's reaction. Even though again, there's no body, so you can only so unless you see them unless you see them looking up and seeing seeing and seeing Daenerys being carried off, and then they kind of like storm the you know storm the throne room. But I yeah, yeah how in the, how in the world would they not kill him? How would they not kill him? I mean, I don't see how the Unsullied wouldn't kill him, but the fucking Dothraki would kill him. That makes no sense whatsoever. Why would they? Why would they not do that? It's kind of—it's really hard to explain because even they—even they're pointing out, oh yeah, we have like thousands of Northmen outside. Well, yeah, but they have thousands of Dothraki and, and Unsullied inside. Who are you going to bet on in a fight? <laughs> really? Who are you going to fight? You know. That's and that's actually you bring up a a point that I really wanted to touch on, and that was the fact that like like the the really really shitty writing as far as how like after their forces get decimated decimated by the long night, and then all of a sudden she's got thousands of soldiers of Dothraki and Unsullied to you know. To have that that like uh, that whole scene, you know, where she's like, you know, you know, okay, well, we just took Westeros, now to take the rest of the world, uh, you know, like you mean you mean no. you mean the Nuremberg rally scene? <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, like, I thought she, I thought, I thought she didn't have all of her forces at Winterfell. Probably, didn't she send some of them off? She probably didn't because she probably, no matter what, would keep a reserve. She probably would just because that would be. Not that they use smart military tactics in that ba- in that episode anyway, but you would almost have to keep a reserve. So I think that's what I don't know if that was officially confirmed, but I think the reason why she she has so much so many Dothraki left is because they probably were did not fight at Winterfell. But yes, you can, I, I know where you're going with it. You can make a case if this is the ultimate battle, you know, that might determine the fate of the entire world. You probably would have you might have all your troops there or damn well close to it, but. Yeah. yeah, I know. I know. That's another thing without any real expl- without any real explanation. They could have just given you an explanation when she was leaving Winterfell. That, you know, we're gonna go back to Dragonstone and join up with the you know with the with the rest of the you know with the rest of my forces that were guarding Dragonstone while we came here or something like that. They could have done. They could have done something. But I agree. That was speaking of speaking of the troops. I did you find it? I thought. I found it interesting during the course of the season that Daenerys and Jon kind of each saw each other's strength at different times, and they both were kind of freaked out by it because Daenerys, after the victory, when they were celebrating, she could see the strength of Jon because everybody gravitated to Jon. Everybody loved Jon, and they were loyal to Jon out of love as opposed to fear or out of obligation or anything else. And when they were in the in the episode five, you know, when when they were taking King's Landing. I think John saw what Daenerys' strength in, which strength, which is also a dangerous strength, which is the fact that she does so many friggin' amazing things and put herself puts herself in harm's way so often, but accomplishes so many just just jaw dropping things that she inspires people to do shit that they normally wouldn't do and like run through walls for her. Because if you go back to that scene where all those Lannister troops that had surrendered were getting slaughtered, almost everybody that was slaughtering them, other than Grain were, were northern troops. They were just rolling. As soon as Grey Worm threw that spear, they just went straight ahead. 
So it's like, and all part of it's being caught up in the fervor and the bloodlust. I get, I get it, but I think there was more to it. I think it's just the inspiration of seeing, you know, seeing this chick and this dragon just, just, just laying waste to everything. It just kind of like, and that was, and that was as you talk, you and I talked about. Danny, Danny's a conqueror. That was her strength. Danny's strength was always she's a conqueror. She never yeah. proved herself to be a good ruler, even though she didn't have a lot of experience with it. She got a little better in Marine, but then again, not much because she got after she actually she was she was taken out after the slave the the, the battle of the, the in the fighting pit. So she didn't come back until right when Tyrion another stratagem of Tyrion that was Tyrion that was blowing up in their face about making the deal with the slavers. But she's much more of a conqueror, and that suits her personality. Again, you're a dragon. Be a dragon. That's what she does best. So I think that inspires that, – that inspires, and that can be – that's very powerful. And that's – I think – and in a way, you see the, rem, the you see the ramifications of that in their little uh, Westeros-Nuremberg rally, which we must have to point out. That scene that scene of her walking out with the dragon wings behind her of Drogon before he takes off again is, is, is a pretty awesome shot. <laughs> <laughs> that is an that is an that the cinematography actually in the last episode was really good. The shots, just the whole tone and everything, but all that with all the all you know with its snowing ashes pretty much, and all the Dothraki and all the Unsullied and Drogon sitting on the side, you know, and just roaring and everything. That that yeah, it very it, clearly it's very Nazi esque, but I mean, but it, it's a it's a very visually it's an awesome scene. I mean, and I think that's that's why we saw as many troops as we did, because like it makes for a more visually impressive scene, regardless of whether or not it actually makes sense to what's been happening. And plus, they already lost like about five people in that battle. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, they they weren't they didn't lose everybody in that battle, but they did yes. lose a shit ton of people on the ships. That is true. That that is a good point. Actually, that's something that gets that gets overlooked. That they've they've taken a lot of casualties, and they they de- they definitely needed a better a better navy <laughs> because between the beginning of season six, I mean season seven, excuse me, and this season, they their they their navy pretty much got completely wiped out, along with yes, whatever troops happen to be happen to be on it. But it you're that was a good observation, though. You're right. It does seem to keep it does seem like they keep pulling unsullied, you know, out, out of her. You know what? Uh, yeah, convenient convenient times but you're right there's no doubt that made for that made for a very 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 impressive scene and the mm-hmm. idea that i think also to drive the point across that yeah she pro- that give, g- given who she is especially with drogon and everything else and she probably could take the world <laughs> but who the hell's but who the hell's gonna run would have run king's landing when she's out conquering she has nobody left she can trust well i think like her trying to appeal to John one last time for that role was for that role. I think, you know, like I think in that moment, you know, the way that she was hoping things would go down is that he would be in love with her. They would marry and he would stick around and, you know, run it in her place while she went and conquered the rest of the world. Wow. That would have been interesting to see. <laughs> get, 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 that, get, get that raven. Got another one. Be home soon. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, she's got a dragon, so she could always fly home every once that, in a while. That, that is true. Um, let's see. Um, oh, so. Daenerys, you never come home. You never call. You never write. God. And Daenerys, I'm so old. Damn. <laughs> 
Uh, let's see. Uh, hold on, hold on, guys. My eyes just rolled out of my head. <laughs> okay, so we we should probably talk about the long night. That is true. Um, Considering it was like one of you know that one of the biggest well yeah the second biggest episode of the uh, the season or that is true we did gloss actually, over a little bit too much now now how do we do the breakdown because like you've got episode three episode five and episode six like what do you consider the biggest now not not necessarily your favorite but what is the biggest episode. And, you know, what is the order of them? And of course, you're not talking about length of the episodes, even though those are about the same size anyway. You just mean as in, in, oh, yeah, yeah, in no. the importance thereof? Exactly. For me personally, I, I can't put The Long Night too high because of the fact that the, – because the, we didn't see that many ramifications of it going forward, which kind of sucked. They built up The Night King as – now, I, I've always been bored by the White Walkers and The Night King. So on one level, I kind of – was glad that, but basically the way they, we knew they were structuring the season, I kind of was glad that they wrapped it up pretty quickly. But it's kind of hard to imagine this was a big threat they've been hinting at since episode one, and, they, and it, it gets resolved in one in one episode. I I have I guess that's a tough one between five and six, right? That's what you, it's five, six, and three. Those are the ones we're deciding between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Obviously, five was the real turning point where you couldn't go back. Uh, and, and we had more deaths, and we had some. We had more deaths in five. Uh, I'm gonna have to say six, just because six changed the dynamic and and, and everything, and all the politics and everything that happened in six. The entire, f- short term, the entire face of Westeros and the way they did things changed. So I would have to say six. I would say six, five, three. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Like for me, I like I. I would kind of, if for me it's a toss up between six or three, being the the most important. Because if they hadn't succeeded in three, then that would have been it. And I I do I do agree with the idea that like it was kind of anticlimactic to a point. But it didn't seem at but the time. I mean, at the time, it didn't seem anticlimactic. Well, you know, like the battle itself was, you know, I think pretty well done. You know, like they definitely give you that that impending sense that, you know, there's going to be a lot of people that that die. I like I I had anxiety when that episode started, you know, just like, okay, who's going to live? Who's going to die? You know, like and that was that was palpable. So they did a great job with that. And, and, you know, going through the whole episode, like, the whole battle was pretty intense. You know, like, the battle was very intense, but that final moment, you know, where it's, you know, it's like it's a cool final moment, but then, you know, it happens, and then everything just shuts down. And I guess because of the way that they're, you know, the, the, the Night King and the White Walkers were set up in the show like it had to be that way but by the same token like maybe that should not have been the way that it was set up or you know like it would have been probably a little bit more satisfying if we saw them take out any of the you know the um, 
the the actual White Walkers. You know, right. like it, and like before the Night King gets taken out, like if we had seen them actually take out like a White Walker or two, and like and then see like a certain you know you know portion of the um you know the the zombies like die again like that might have been a little more satisfying i don't know but yeah the fact that like all of a sudden like you know Arya gets to him you know kills him and that's it and now there's no more white walkers forever basically i like it's just it's so you know it's so concise it wraps it up into a nice little you know pretty package you know it's almost it doesn't fit it, it, that, that that's kind of what it is like that aspect of it doesn't fit with the overall game of thrones motif you know where everything has lasting repercussions you know and uh, the, the whole game of thrones and blah, blah 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 but here's like you know the biggest threat and they just take it out and now they don't have to worry about it anymore do ex aria <laughs> I, like no, I mean like I, know, I, I know, I know. I, I buy, I buy the fact that it was Arya too. Actually, I would have liked to have seen John do more. You know, like, I, it, like maybe if I, this is what I would have been, you know, happier with. If like John comes up to the Night King and like they're having a battle or whatever like that, and the Night King, you know, like. Gets a punch in on John and knocks him like across the courtyard, and that momentary distraction is when Arya comes in, and, you know, and and gets the uh, the final blow. Like that would have been more satisfying because then at least John served a purpose of distracting him and got like a couple of, like you know slashes in here and there, uh, you know, or, or you know whatever. Not he probably would he wouldn't have got any slashes in because he had Valerian steel. And that would have ended the battle real quick, but you know what I'm saying? I get it. Right. I, yeah. I think with the thing that I found it, the, the thing that was really interesting about the long night was again you see the contrast between Danny and John and why John the Danny's just emotional. You know, Dan, Dan as soon as the like the Dothraki start getting well they got what they got piped out pretty quick. That you know, they had a specific, but apparently not. Well, not all of them, but the ones that were there, the, you know, the ones that were fighting there, probably most the majority. There were thousands left yeah. over. There were thousands left over, Mark. Right, but I'm not, but not all of them necessarily <laughs> fought in that were there at that moment. But either way, we know there were some survivors even of that battle. We saw because I think we saw some in episode four. <laughs> but that there was a specific game plan they had, it's like for lighting the trenches and everything else. But you know, but as soon as the Dothraki kind of like were in trouble, you know, which is commendable. But Daenerys, no pun intended, she's a hothead, and Daenerys just does what. She, and you saw the con- contrast in Daenerys, like jumping on Drogon and, and doing what, and doing her thing, for to, to the end of the, the episode when John was walking through, the, you know, walking through the middle of Winterfell, and all these people that mean something to him, or, or at least are on his side, are all in the process of almost getting killed. But because he his mission is to go get the Night King, he just. He can't save any of them because he has to stay mm-hmm. with the mission, and that is a huge. That is a in a microcosm the difference between their 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 styles. That John looks big picture. 
and John's willing to make the sacrifice that needs to be done, and Danny is just pure. She is an she is an emotional and and maybe impetuous at times. Certainly, in that in that you saw a nice contrast in, in that episode. That John was going to do whatever he needed to do to get to the Night King, even trying to figure out a way to get past Viserion. But that's the only thing that mattered. So, it did, so Sam was in trouble. It didn't. It didn't matter. He had to do what he needed to do. So, I thought that was a. I thought that was a cool moment, just because of what it said about John in a positive way. I don't think it was. Some people were trying to make that a negative, but clearly, to me, that's that's a positive about uh about uh John. Yeah. What are you laughing at, Chad? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I I, just, I, I still enjoyed episode three the most but at the same time i'm just laughing at remembering i was sitting in a pitch black room and still could barely see what the hell was going on <laughs> yeah we know they they took they took a lot of they took a lot of heat from that uh, just like the idea of oh we, we, we have to hide ourselves from from the dead so let's all hide in the crypt uh yeah that is something that, we're, we're trying to hide from somebody who can raise the dead so let's we're, we're hiding from black hand let's let's hang out in the crypt <laughs> it's like eh. <laughs> Uh, which I like that I that scene was kind of cool when they them hanging out down there. Even though there's a, there were a few moments of humanity in Sansa this season, and one was with Tyrion, even though it still was Sansa being manipulative, saying, uh, "You know, it, it, was, it wouldn't be good if we we couldn't have really stayed married because of your loyalty to the Dragon Queen." When Masande kind of steps up and puts them in their place, it's like you're right. It's, it's all it's all too, it's too bad for the Dragon Queen because we'd all be dead already if not for her. <laughs> which was yeah. which was a good point. And and Sansa's moments with Theon when he returned and mourning him, and her moment with the Hound was nice. The Hound was cool this season. The Hound had some nice moments, obviously with, with Arya and and Sansa, which was to me it was more important that she had that San, uh, Arya had those with the Hound, and they did have. Yes, some. I mean the Sansa thing. Yeah, because the, it really it really capped off Arya's arc because when they're standing there in the middle of that map room, and he's just like, "You've got to let this go, or you're going to die." Like, yeah. I mean, you, you, you saw the switch in Arya's face from hardened, you know, faceless man, sort of trained assassin to back to the Arya. We sort of, I mean, not 100% back to her because she's seen too much, but her eyes kind of got, you know, big in anime again. You know what I mean? Like, she's just, oh, oh shit, you know, this is, this is all real right now. You know, yeah, I mean... I think it's it's less that she like went back to like you know her her old you know innocent ways or anything like that. It's just that you know like Arya was she was committed to you know her revenge and fully willing to die for it. And you know and when the Hound is like like you know listen you know she's gonna die anyway. Like you want to, you know, you want to devote your your entire life to revenge. Like that's fine, but that that's exactly what I did, and now I'm gonna go die for it. You know, like the way that he said it to her, and him being somebody that she actually respects, made her like kind of give it a second thought and consider maybe you know, continuing to live and not giving her life to revenge is also an option. Yeah, it struck a chord with her. But he said the way he said it, it struck a chord with her realizing that basically she was 
that's the path she has been down, and she was and and if kind of like taking that step, take that one last step to the dark side. That if you that that this is this is your destiny, and if you do this, and it's right in front of you right now. That if this all you if if you did if your whole life is dedicated to revenge, and that's all you want it to be, then that road ends right here with me. You we're both gonna die going going forward. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, she could have just probably she would have just got hit in the head with a piece of the falling castle, but the keep. But the point still is, yeah, yeah. I so I think that that was a nice that was a nice moment between them between them. How did how did you feel about the Clegane Bowl? I was a little disappointed. I think it ended exactly how it had to end. I'd agree with that. I certainly think from, yeah. the, from, the, from them both dying perspective, I agree. I don't know what I kind of envisioned, but I guess I thought it. I don't know what I envisioned. Maybe that was maybe that's part of the problem. But yeah, I kind of assumed they were they were both going to die. That'd be a given. Now, obviously, he makes it clear going before he get, when he gives that speech to Arya that we can take it to the bank that he's going to die. Though it could be a yeah. it could give you a fake out, but there's no reason to think that if you thought he was dying going in, there was no reason for you to think he's not dying now. <laughs> So. Yeah, well, I mean, also just the fact that, you know, the, the guy's a zombie, so you can't just, you know, you can't just stab him and, and be done with it. And, you know, like it's everything is basically just kind of like wasted away and he's just, you know, moving regardless. And so the only way to take him out is with fire, which, you know, which was used on him so many years ago. I, you know, it's, it's kind of a poetic end. Oh, I think, yeah, I do. I think, I think the actual end of it was was really good. I, I did like that. But I don't, like I said, I don't know what I was imagining, but but there's been so much build up towards that. I guess it's I guess it's maybe the circumstances that they were going to fight. So it kind of had that Anakin Obi Wan vibe to it. I have the higher ground. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, when he killed Kyburn, though, that was great. Frankenstein. Oh yeah, that Frankenstein, that was great. Monster. Yeah, like killing him like as if he were an afterthought. <laughs> it's like I've listened to your shit long yeah. enough. I'm sick of it. Crutch. <laughs> yeah. I owe you nothing. Um. Okay, so have we kind of touched on just about everything? I'm. I feel like we have. So, like, the way that this series ended, you know, like, the way that I describe it is that it feels like it ends on, like, a Monday in Westeros. You know? Like, you know, you've got all, like, the battles and the negotiations, and then it's like, you know, okay, everybody's at the table, and let's, you know, talk about what we're going to do, and we need drinking water, and blah, 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 and, you know. And it, it's it's right back to, you know, one of those meetings that we saw like seasons and seasons ago so it's kind of like you know business as usual and you know you see Arya sailing off of the new world you see Jon Snow going north and you know you see uh, Sansa you know becoming you know queen of the north you know its own kingdom now so it's Sansa Stan (laughs) (laughs) so to me like the way that this all oh and and then you got Bran who's now the king who's like you know going to go warg into a raven and check on where the dragon is and then they say that the dragon was headed east 
Now, I mean, like, okay, it could be that these are all just, like, you know, random things to, you know, close things off and show that everybody kind of has a future and, you know, doing whatever. But, I mean, it also kind of sets it up for, like, a, a, like a sequel series. Because, like, okay, for starters, you've got the dragon heading east. Well, what do we know is to the east? One, dragon eggs, and two, the red women. So, like, what are the possibilities that Drogon is bringing Daenerys' dead body to the red women to bring back to life? So you have that as a possibility. Now you have Arya, who's sailing off to what is effectively the new world in that, you know, that planet to, to explore and see whatever and at any given point, if Bran needs to contact her, he could always warg into something over there and send a message or whatever. Likewise, he can also send messages to John, who is going to the north. So if it turns out that Daenerys was, in fact, you know, brought back to life, then and, you know, conceivably would be working her way west with, like, an army of dragons and, you know, more Unsullied and Dothraki and whatever, like, then you could have, you know, Bran contacting Arya. It's like, okay, well, you know, I need you to bring over some of your, you know, um, America's version of the dragons or whatever like that and maybe have Jon come back north, come down north, from the uh you know from the north with uh like giants or some shit it's like everything is set up for like the perfect sequel and what you call it um when Tyrion was talking to john you know and he says like oh you know i'll see you in like 10 years basically 10 years is enough time for me to want to piss off the edge end of the world like it's almost as if they're like, okay, well, if we want to, we can time jump 10 years or wait 10 years and pick up all these plot lines and have a completely new Game of Thrones that doesn't, you know, it's not um, tied into any books or anything. If they ever brought Daenerys back, if they brought her back as a bad guy again, people would go batshit crazy, though. If you're going to bring her back, let her be good at least. <laughs> Man. I mean, I, that's just me. I just don't. I, 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 I agree with you that there's that if they, and at this rate, well, well, maybe they could do it for a TV show because obviously we can we can take it to the bank based on current progress that Martin's never going to get to a sequel b- book series. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll be lucky if he's not dead by the time we get book six, let alone seven. But yeah, mm. th- this is something that they 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 certainly certainly HBO would have the money to throw at to say, hey, we want to. We would like to continue this down the road, and depending on where people are with their careers. But mm-hmm. I was even curious about, you know, whether we know fire, you know, we know fire doesn't hurt a Targaryen. Maybe fire can resurrect a Targaryen. I don't know. Uh, but possibility. Plus, yeah, it would be, it would be just it also just as a matter of fact to be curious to see where where uh, he's actually taking Daenerys's body, or what he and whether you know whether he's just going to stay with it for a while and protect it, whether he's going to bury it, or yeah, whether. 
deep down there's another there's there's another agenda there. And something that you and I talked mm-hmm. about briefly today. I know some some have the theory that when it's kind of like a almost like a soul piece of a soul exchange when you become when you have a, when you're a dragon rider and you bond with a dragon that a piece of that a piece of you like goes into the dragon too. That some people have speculated maybe that's why uh, Drogon was so specific in taking out the Iron Throne since basically that was the object of the object that pretty much led to Danny's downfall was that the, her desire, the, the, the obsession with that one pe- that one piece of hardware. Uh, mm. I w- yeah, well, anything's possible. I mean, we know we see lots of show we see lots of shows that are a hell of a lot less popular than this, even with the downward spiral and the controversy about the season that have been revisited. So I I, right. I could see that. I the only thing I would have to add in this ep- for the for the overall the one thing I didn't touch upon was and I I, I alluded to it but. I do think more than a cautionary tale, Daenerys is more of a tragedy. It's more of a tragedy, I think, because she did because she was such a she's because she she's more she's more of a fallen hero than a villain. I don't think I can we can really look back at everything she did and say, oh my God, she was always horrible. She was always a villain because and and it goes I think even beyond the oh you know a, a villain you know a vil, villain is always the hero of their own story uh, that everybody's you know always the hero of their own story that concept I think. We, it was a. It wasn't just, and it wasn't even just clever. You know, oh, we're manipulating you to root for her. Uh, she she was somebody worth rooting for, and she was a good character, and she was strong, and 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 she overcame a lot, and she, you know, considering where she was and how fragile she was to begin with, and and, and everything from being paired up with Khal Drogo, which was horrible for her to start with, but turned into you know a real a real love connection and. And everything else, just everything she accomplished and everything she strove, you know, she, she tried to achieve, and be this literally this close to it where she can touch it, but she never got to sit in it, which I know was kind of the vision she had in the House of the Undying. But as we know, visions and prophecies don't always play out the way we think they're going to play out, especially in this show. That I, I still was sad she never got to sit in it, and it still was sad that her that that. Her design that she was so close to it, and she at one point, if she had gotten it with a different mindset, I think she would have done a lot of good with it. But she, but she wasn't the same person based on where she, her experiences. So I think it's I think as Tyrion added the elements to it, you can make a case it's somewhat of a cautionary tale. But I'm not necessarily buying into oh again another absolute power corrupts absolutely thing for the whole for her whole journey. I don't buy into that. I, but I do think that I think it's more of a tragedy because of what she could have been and what she was compared to what she ended up being. But hashtag still my queen. <sighs> okay. Good. I think so. I think so. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, I guess that's going to do it for this episode. Um, Mark, you want to tell people how they can uh, read? Oh, actually, before that, uh, Jim, do you have anything you want to promote before uh, we close out the episode? Um, well, I mean, we uh, Dan and I put out uh, occasional episodes of Sliders Cast. Uh, I think we, we already put out an episode this year, uh, and I think we're going to try and get a, at least one or two more for the rest of the year. Um so that, that is to say that it does not post very often. But I guess uh, everybody can uh, look for me when uh, when we review Game of Thrones Season 9. 
Before that happens, hopefully, well, you and I are going to have a pre-birth recording in the near, probably in the next month. Let's target the next month. <laughs> By the end of June, let's have even if it's a even if it's a toy show, pod, if it's a pod, the greatest toy podcast. I don't care. Let's just have one of those things in the can. <laughs> That's the goal. Um, uh, uh, the, the toy thing, we could, the toy thing would be easy. I just don't want pre-birth to fall off the, the fall off the earth because we haven't done one since like the fall. <laughs> um, so to co- oh we, oh yeah okay yeah you're right we 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 need to do one for this year. <laughs> uh, you, you, you can drink and we'll record two. We'll we'll record record two thirty minute episodes on one night. Then we'll be done for the year for pre for pre-birth. <laughs> Uh, All right, so sounds lanterncast.com. Email is lanterncast at gmail.com. Voicemail is 708lantern. We are on iTunes and Stitcher. Please leave us a positive review. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter using hashtag GLCast. And that is pretty much it. And, oh, next week, obviously, will be our Blackest Night JL May episode. Correct, Chad? That is right. Blackest Night 7 uh, and 8, as well as uh, Green Lantern number 52 uh, will be our official coverage. We'll be talking about some other stuff in more uh, basic terms, but that'll be our official coverage for that, finishing out the JL Mave event. If you're looking for the participating podcast, I'll be putting up a, a page, a link or something on the Lantern Cast main page with a bunch of links where you can find the specific episodes rather than just looking for the podcast names in general um, over on the lanterncast.com. So be on the lookout for that as you hear this episode. But um, podcast of OA, Chris and Reggie's Cosmic Treadmill, Fire and Water podcast, uh, Coffee and Comics podcast, Dr. DC podcast, the Birds of Prey podcast, uh, I mean, Waiting for Doom, Justice's First Dawn, tons and tons of podcasts are participating in their 10th anniversary look at the Blackest Night event as part of JL May. Your best bet, head on over to Twitter, type in hashtag JL May, that is J-L-M-A-Y, in the search bar, and you will find quite a few of those uh, episodes posted about over there. Um, or, like I said, lanterncast.com. Look for the JL May post prior to our episode wrapping up the entire event. And uh, you will see a link of all the a comprehensive uh, list of all with links of all the uh, participating podcasts in their episodes. Nice. For sure. All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. Night, everybody. So long. Throne, 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 Game of Thrones. Game of Throne, 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 Game of Throne, 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 throne,